Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back, SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, we focus entirely on last weekend's fight between Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. Garcia, a rising star in the boxing ranks, gets his most significant win to date, knocking out Campbell with a body shot in the seventh round. I bring in Jake Donovan from BoxingScene.com and Gareth A. Davies, British journalist, to talk about what they saw in that fight. A little bit later on, Garcia himself joins the show. Ryan talks about his performance, uh, basically his future. Will it be Tank Davis? Will it be Devin Haney? We talk about all that and much more with Ryan Garcia. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, one easy way you can support it, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? All the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, got a great panel on the show this week. Jake Donovan is a senior writer over at BoxingScene.com. He was ringside for the Garcia-Campbell fight this past weekend. And Gareth A. Davies from The Telegraph, William Hill, broadcaster, journalist. He was working the fight for DAZN from the UK along with Ricky Hatton. Fellas, if there was a live audience here, there might be a cacophony of booze raining down on me at the moment for saying this. If he loses, there'll be a cacophony of people out there saying he has more style than substance. Cacophony is one of those words that I have written, Gareth. We're all writers here, but I have written it like a dozen or more times. I have never actually tried to say it until that moment. And in that split second, we've all done some TV and radio work. In that, in that split second, I was like, it's one of two ways. It's one of two ways. It's one of two ways. And... Damn it, Gareth, I said the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, look, I'm going to first say a cacophonious new year to you. Anyway. <laughs> 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 oh. Look, look, that kind of thing happens, and it's brilliant. It, it, it's, it's what broadcasts are all about, you know, and it's, it's great fun. Cacophony, my dear. Cacophony. Next time. You know, you better believe it. Next fight, I'm bringing that word back, and I'm going to find a way to say it on the air. Um, tomato or right. tomato? Tomato, exactly. tomato, potato, to- tomato. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it is cacophony. We'll go with that. Maybe maybe I can reinvent the word. Um, all right. So we were all you know witnesses to Ryan Garcia's win over Luke Campbell. Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, sitting ringside, Give me your impression of of Ryan Garcia. Was he, you know, getting off the deck in the second round? 
uh, fighting a tough fight against Luke Campbell, a very tough competitor, um, and then finishing him with that body shot, finishing a fighter that had never been stopped before in his career. Give me your impressions of Ryan Garcia's performance. Um, it was, I think, everything that Golden Boy absolutely needed to see in him. You know, they knew going in, they wanted, um, they had to prove that this was going to be well beyond the hype. And Luke Campbell was always going to test that. So it, a lot of people, you know, they have the theory that the knockdown actually benefited Brian Garcia. Just to watch him get up, come back, you know, maintain composure, and then knock him out the way he did. It, it was a fantastic performance. That knockout, the knockdown, though, in the second round, you literally felt that, oh, stuff moment in the crowd like it just wasn't like the crowd gasped they were just like it was they almost forced to cheer like in marvel over what luke campbell was able to do in that moment um everything leading up to that moment i thought ryan garcia handled himself remarkably well for his first time being you know he's a regional draw in california a massive draw out there and we all know his social media presence but the way he took over dallas and the way uh, golden boy was able to transform dallas into a fight town and you know ryan garcia fight week i thought he handled that remarkably well especially for a 22 year old so and then just the way he, he did everything in the ring at the comeback, it was it was so terrific for his brand. And you know, as uh, Gareth mentioned earlier, you know we've seen you know more than three hundred thousand followers on his Instagram since then. You know, his brand is just continuing to grow, and this is the type of performance he needed. We saw it with Javante Davis three months earlier. It's like th these guys are all in a position where they're ready to take on each other, and they need these type of career-defining moments to this point. And Ryan Garcia delivered that on Saturday night, as far as I'm concerned. Gareth, what are you thinking in the UK watching? Garcia go down in that second round because sitting ringside like I can almost feel the keyboard warriors start to warm up and right like overhyped you know social media sensation you guys made too much of him what were you thinking uh, watching that happen well I mean I think apart from the fact that it was um cacophoniously okay. um, right. <laughs> um remarkable performance um I, I, I think, in, in all honesty, I think if you look at the weaknesses of Ryan Garcia, he fights with his chin very high for a start. So it's not without kind of substance that Luke Campbell, who's not only a very tough fighter, but he's a very accomplished fighter. He's the most decorated amateur in British boxing history. And as you say, he'd gone 12 very tough rounds with two elite level performers in Jorge Linares, the brilliant Venezuelan, and also uh, Vasil Lomachenko, who we know almost too much about. Um, I, I think in many ways, I do agree with you, and I think you said it on the broadcast, and I think we'd, we agreed with you. This was the birth of a very young superstar. Um, and his future opponents given how smart the Reynosos are, his future opponents may see that chin tucked in a lot more in future, and he may be a lot harder to hit when he explodes. And I think that's one of the big learning curves. Champion's heart to get up, because he was buzzed. There's no question about it. Um, and not only that, I mean, I didn't agree with you as much. I mean, I thought Campbell fought back very, very gamely. And I gave him another round after he'd been hurt in the fifth. Um, I think Ryan Garcia has it all. And I think we've seen that afterwards as well. I think coming in on the throne as a king, a.k.a. Um, Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder on February the 23rd in Las Vegas was a very bold move, which may have backfired. But in fact, I think Ryan Garcia, in calling out very powerfully Devin Haney and Javonta Davis since, is proving that he ain't, you know, just a modern choir boy look kid from California. He has genuine equalizing power that he truly believes in and those backing him believe it. And I think we are in for an extraordinarily exciting career. He may be knocked out a couple of times, but he is going to have the biggest fights on earth. He's got more followers than the best boxers in the world put together at the moment on social media. So I think we are in for an extraordinary rise with him, if that's enough of, a, of an intro on Ryan Garcia.
Let, let me follow up with you, Gareth. Um, you're right. Like you had it, I think, 57, 56 at the time of the stoppage. I had it 58, 55. If I could maybe change one way I framed it, I think I said at one point that at the start of the sixth or after the fifth round where he heard him, I said Ryan was dominating. He wasn't really dominant. He was he was winning on the cards on my, my scorecard, but Luke was absolutely uh, game in every one of those rounds. When you look back at Campbell's performance – was there more he could have done? I mean, I know you said on air you thought he should have been fighting with a little more aggression, you know, taking the fight to Ryan Garcia. Was there more he could have done? Will Will he look back at this fight and say, I wish I did X? I think he gave it his all. It, it reminds, the reason I said that was because I think his corner were telling him to get his, get his legs back after the fifth round when he was hurt at the end of the fifth and turned his back. But he took the opposite approach as the fighter himself in the sixth. And he just countered and he went for Garcia. And I think he was right in his fighter's instinct because it reminded me of the first Golovkin-Canelo fight in a way in that this guy was going to keep on coming unless you hurt him, i.e. Golovkin hurting Canelo in the middle rounds of, of that first fight. And it just stopped Canelo in his tracks for a while and got him on his bike. And I think... The fighting instinct in Luke instinct in Luke Campbell told him he needed to hurt Garcia again to get properly back into the fight because he's game, he's fearless, he's young. He's a young, ambitious, aggressive knockout artist who takes on an alter ego when he fights. And the only way is to get his body to tell his brain to back off. So... In many ways, I think Campbell gave it his all. And I think we've seen that since. On social media, he's happy to be back with his family. He said he was heartbroken immediately afterwards. He acknowledged the better fighter on the night. And believe me, I know Luke Campbell fairly well. I've known him for 10 years. And he's a very spiteful fighter in terms of the desire to be a world champion. So, you know, and I think, you know, I was struggling to score some of those rounds because they were that four, three or four of them were very close, but you had to give it to Garcia because he was landing the heavier, more punishing shots. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question there, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but it was, I, it was an amazing spectacle. It was an amazing dramatic contest. Jake, how did you think the fight was going up until that point? Because one of the reasons I was scoring rounds for Garcia was that even though Campbell had his guard up a lot, I mean, look, to to Gareth's point, he's an incredibly accomplished boxer, disciplined. Uh, you know, he's, he's not going to make mistakes out there in the ring. But even though he had his guard up, sitting ringside, I thought Garcia's punches were getting through a lot. Like, they were so powerful. They were just getting through that guard. It's kind of like, it's kind of the opposite of what I thought was happening a year ago when Kovalev fought Canelo. Kovalev threw a lot of punches, but they were all getting gobbled up. Like, nothing was getting through. Whereas Garcia's punches, I thought they were getting through. How, how did you see the fight before the stoppage? I mean, I, I see it that way. Also, you know, to Garrett's point, too, I, I felt like even though Ryan was winning those rounds, and I agree with your scorecard, I thought Ryan was winning 58-55 at the time of the stoppage. Campbell was still in the fight. He was still landing those shots every step of the way. He never really backed off. Maybe he needed to, but even then, it's like you really didn't see a pathway to him winning a decision. We saw on one judge, uh, Ray Danseco, the second round, he scored a 10-9 despite the clear knockdown. That was bizarre. And totally bizarre. Even, totally and, bizarre. And then he gave Luke Campbell, uh, I believe it was round four. I don't know if it was a makeup call. I, I think that was the other round where if you wanted to give him one, you could give it to him. But I thought the scores were right. And Luke Campbell, I thought he did everything he needed to do. He had Ryan hurt. He didn't want to um, He didn't want to go in full throttle. I don't think he ever sensed that he was going to knock him out, but he had to make him feel. You know, I was like, I'm an old Knicks fan from the 90s. That was, that was the philosophy on the court. You, you always make your opponent feel. And I think Luke Campbell kept doing that throughout the fight. But, you know, it just got to the point. Ryan Garcia is just, he is very heavy-handed. He's underrated in that regard. You know, everyone just sees, this, you know, this pretty boy. But Luke Campbell said it after the fight. That was the hardest he's ever been hit in a fight. I, I think Luke Campbell did everything he could. I don't, I never got the sense that he was completely out of the fight, but you did get the sense that Ryan Garcia was taking over with each passing round. And then when he landed that body shot, I mean, obviously that was it. Once he hit him with that shot and you kind of saw Luke's demeanor, it's like, this fight is over. Even if he got up, Ryan was going to finish him off after that. Gareth, when you watch Garcia, you've seen him fight and knock out a Romero Duno. You've seen him knock out Francisco Fonseca. Did you learn anything new about Garcia in this fight? I mean, for me, 
it was he his knockout punch was like the equivalent of a basketball no look pass like he was looking at Luke's head which brought Luke's guard up and then he went downstairs and hit him right in that midsection that was interesting I haven't seen that too many times um among top level boxers did you learn anything about Garcia in this fight yeah, I mean, it was a rapier thrust, that wasn't it, that hook. I mean, it was, a, it was a vicious slashing punch to the body across the guts, if anything, you know, and, and the liver there. So he, he's, I think, I, I did an interview with him on Zoom about nine days before the fight, and I found him, it was lovely to have some time on my own with him, because I think he is a young person. He, he's almost like a savant in some ways, I think, that, you know, he's in this lovely family. Um, you know, Sir Henry, as I now call his dad, um, Lord Henry, as I now call him, has begat these five children um, with, with his wife. And they're all, you know, they're all amazing kids. And Ryan was talking about what an ordinary Christmas he was going to have at home. And he was, I, I kind of said to him, you've got an alter ego, haven't you? And he said, yeah, that's what it is. It's amazing. I'm just a normal person. And yet I am so arrogant and cocky when I fight that um, people either love me or hate me. And it's just this weird thing I've got. He's almost like a, it's almost like a superpower, if you like. If you're making it into a cartoon or a manga novel, it, this would be his superpower. When he fights, he transforms. And also, I, I hasten to add, they're both tall, well, a tall lightweights at 135 pounds. And Ryan looked really big in there on the night. I remember Roy Jones Jr., who when I first met Roy Jones Jr., I couldn't believe he was the same height as me, you know, like 5'10 and a half, 5'11. And yet when you saw him in a ring, rather like Anderson Silver in MMA, they look six foot two in the ring because they just look so big, so long. So I, what I really did learn about him is he can carry, I think you've both mentioned this, he can carry a big occasion. And I think that's part of the super id, the super ego of the great fighter. Oscar, I spoke to, Oscar De La Hoya the week before on Zoom together, and he said, this kid has the it factor. I spotted it a while ago. I had it. Mayweather had it. Sugar Ray Leonard had it. And he's got that thing. And... He's also, I think he's more popular than he is disliked, in fact. I think he says that he's got loads of haters because he loves that back-against-the-wall thing. But I really do think we have seen the birth of a potential superstar in boxing. I can see him on the Kimmels and on the major chat shows already. He's got. He's just lovely. And he said to me, I said, what's your message for your generation? And he said... Just be yourself, believe in yourself, do the things you really know you can do. And I think those are his qualities, apart from the obvious athletic gifts he's got. You mentioned on the broadcast, 15 times junior national champion um, as a kid, boxing since the age of seven. We kind of talk about him as a wonderkind with a lack of experience. Mm -hmm. But in fact, he's had a proper amateur pedigree, apart from coming back from the Olympics like Oscar did with a lightweight gold medal. But he's got those 8 million... Uh, Instagram followers instead. It'll be a, you know, he will become financially the Kim Kardashian of boxing. I tell you now, he'll get up to 20 million followers and every little Instagram message he gets, I'll earn him half a million bucks. He may mm. not be around that long. It, it, it's an incredible story. Maybe I'm hyping it a little bit here, but it's an no. incredible story. No, I, I don't think you're. I don't think you're hyping it too much at all. And Jake, I'll ask you this because I kind of share Garrett's view. I mean, I wrote about Ryan in Sports Illustrated and I said kind of the same thing. I talked about him on the broadcast as a potentially transformative figure in boxing because of the youthful fans and the new fans that he can bring in. I mean, it's look, it's hyperbolic in a way, but he might be the most important fighter of this generation. I mean, is that... Is that too much to put on one fighter that he can, you know, I, I, I hate I hate anything can save boxing because we've all been guilty of kind of like X fight or X fighter can save boxing. But Ryan can really change it in a fundamental way. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then we even saw it like in the aftermath with Ryan and Javante Davis kind of, you know, they've been going after each other on Twitter. They both had the poster that they both um, put up on their separate Instagram accounts. Within a day, it was like well over 1 million people liked it alone. Who knows how many people, you know, saw it. Like people are paying attention to these guys. And that's the best part for Ryan Garcia is that he's surrounded by a lot of company. It's not like... Uh, I don't know if Terrence Crawford would ever become this star, but like he's a man without an island because he doesn't have this opposition because, he's, you know, he's being left out of the ultimate mix. Ryan and Golden Boy are willing to enter this, you know, mix with these amazing young lightweights. So even like I said, even if he loses a fight or two, even if he gets knocked out once or twice, he's always going to be around. And as we both said, he's handled himself so extremely well, you know, to this point. It's not hyperbole to say that he is a future uh, superstar in the sport. And, and Jake, 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 to, to, to Garrett's earlier point, like, he is going to get knocked out at some point, I think. Like, he fights really flat-footed, and he keeps that chin up in the air, and he relies on speed and reflexes to overcome those sort of quirks. I don't know if that's something Eddie Reynoso is going to try to change moving forward, but if you fight that way against guys that can really crack, you're going to have some problems at some point. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure it would happen, like, if he does fight, like, a Devin Haney next. Like, maybe the, the biggest threat is that he get out outboxed. But, yeah, against, like, a Teofimo Lopez or a Javante Davis, yeah, that those bombs are going to come. And, you know, he's not going to get up if he keeps that chin tucked. Uh, if he doesn't keep that chin tucked in the air, I have to imagine that Eddie Renault, that's going to be the first thing they work on when they go back to camp. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Gareth, um, the... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go one ahead. thing I just did want to say, the one thing that I learned from this fight, though, is that the reason why he made the change to Eddie Reynoso is that we saw it uh, in the fight with Carlos Morales where he almost came unraveled. He almost lost that fight. Some people try to argue he did. I'm not sure I would go that far. But he knew he needed <laughs> to, he seemed to uh, recognize that he needed to make that change. So this is the first time since then where he's really been tested. He blew through uh, Brulio Rodriguez. He blew through Jose Lopez. And as we mentioned, through Duno and, um, and Francisco Fonseca. This is the first time where he's really been tested. And he didn't come unraveled. You know, Eddie Reynoso kept him calm. That, you know, having that presence in his corner, that, that's what's going to benefit him in the long run. That's always going to be there for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Gareth, when you look at the future for Garcia, you, you do have to, look, he's ambitious. There's no doubt about it. He wants, you know, uh, uh, he wants Gervonta uh, Davis. He's talked about Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez is out there. Uh, the one thing I love about this weight class is that all these guys seem to want to fight each other uh, to some degree. I mean, what should be next for Ryan Garcia? Well, um, when I, the last time I'd seen young Ryan in the flesh was at the Cacophonious Staples okay. Center. <laughs> was you, it, you suck. You suck. Was, 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 was a Cacophonious New Year to you all. Um, was in the Cacophonious Staples Center in November 2019. And there he was chatting away to Justin Bieber just before Justin Bieber was bouncing up and down with Lil Wayne a couple of seats away when Logan Paul and KSI were fighting. Now, what's next for him? I could see Ryan Garcia heralding on his own bills some of these great YouTubers that want to fight each other as well. I can see, like you say, the future of the sport. And I'm kind of throwing it wide open here where, you know, to the future where ringside, when we all get back and where um, the media have little pads by their seats where they're scoring each round and it's shown up on a big screen and who, you know, I'm, I'm looking into the future. Um, you know, I'm, and, and it's not that far away, five, six years away where everyone in the arena is scoring the fight as well if they want to. I think this is possible. Um, but you're asking me about who. Well, I think it's a very, very difficult one because we have the opportunity in this lightweight division, 135-pound division, to actually have now, which we didn't have in the welterweight division a year and a half ago, which is a series of great matchups that really should have happened and have really been longed out and lengthened out. We still haven't seen Terence Crawford and Errol Spence. Um, there is the possibility that Devin Haney has too much speed for him. There is the possibility that Vasyl Lomachenko has too much skill for him. There is the possibility that Javante Davis has the same equalizing power and gets to him first. And I don't think he beats Teofimo Lopez at the moment. So I've got him 0-4 against those four at the moment. 
However, if he is special, and he is special, he may win three out of four of those. You never know. And this is why we love the four kings, Leonard, Duran, Hagler, and Hearns. This is why we hark back at the era. This is why we love that brilliant um, black American era of the 70s with Larry Holmes and George Foreman and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, they all flaming well fought each other. And that's why we're still talking about those eras. That's why there are books written about them. And these guys in this lightweight era, I hope we can get all five, six of them in a room. You know, the, the George Cambosos juniors of this world, there's another one who's really coming up. If we can get all these guys in a room, sit them down and talk to them around a table and say, do you realize that you could all be global superstars in boxing from all fighting each other. Imagine, uh, imagine a, a world boxing series with the eight lightweights right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All pay-per-view extravaganzas. Or here in the UK on DAZN, pound ninety-nine. you know, for a month's watching. I mean, I'm waxing lyrical you know, it's it's the beginning of another cacophonious year. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, we just must be very excited about this division, but the fights need to be made. I think he should try and fight Devin Haney first. I think that's his best opportunity. And he wins one of the one of the WBC belts if he does so. Jake, I'm uh, I think one thing that has to be factored into Ryan's next opponent is the pandemic and, you know, just what kind of crowd you can get for a big fight like i i'll believe you know a gervonta davis deal can be made when i see it like i've just uh you know a healthy amount of skepticism that a deal like that can come together um haney's fine um i, I would like to see that fight built up a little bit more i mean Devin completely outclassed your yorkus gamboa but uninspiring is probably the word i choose to 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 kind of describe that performance he's got a fight maybe coming up with Javier Fortuna maybe he can get Fortuna out of there with a big knockout that would probably do a lot for De the perception of Devin Haney going into a Garcia fight I say go back to Jorge Linares like Jorge Linares was on the calendar for the summer of 2020 as it was Linares is dangerous no question he can crack he's got power with both hands but he also gets knocked out every single time he loses. So he's no, almost Garcia the perfect... No, Garcia knocks him out. Garcia well, knocks no, I, him no, out. No, this no, this is what I'm saying. Like, no, Garcia this is what I'm saying. Garcia knocks him out. Let's I mean... No, I, look, he does. But like, in a pandemic, if you want to... Look, Ryan Garcia should fight a minimum of three times in 2020, having already fought once. Uh, you want to get him back in March or April if he wants to come back that quickly. You, you know you're kind of limited in where you can put a fight. Go back to Texas, the 6,000-person crowd, get that gate, and fight a Jorge Linares and get another spectacular knockout on your resume. I think that makes the most sense, uh, Jake. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I was talking to Eric Gomez before the fight, and you mentioned about the quick comeback. He said before the fight, as long as Ryan Garcia escapes unscathed, he wants to bring him back by no later, this is his words, by no later than April. Now, should a Devin Haney fight happen that soon? If the WBC gets their way, then it will. But then that would be up to Ryan Garcia to accept it. You've mentioned um, Jorge Linares. Gareth doesn't seem uh, too warm on it. A lot of people are receptive to that fight, because as you mentioned, before the pandemic, they were supposed to fight last July. So a lot of people are willing to see that fight back on the table. Honestly, the way it was described, it'd be like the modern day version, uh, you know, lower tier version of Hagler Hearns. It'd be a three round war. One of them is going to get knocked out. Probably Linares will get knocked out, but that's only going to help Ryan Garcia's brand, you know, uh, down the road. So, I wouldn't see it as a duck if he decided to say, you know what, I know I have this interim title. I know I'm supposed to fight Devin Haney next, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go fight Jorge and Linares. I can't see a lot of people complaining about that fight from an entertainment standpoint. I know we're all skeptic uh, skeptical about him fighting Javante Davis. I will say this. Javante Davis is down in South Florida. He's been there since, you know, throughout the holidays training. He's training with Zander Zayas down at Centeno's, uh, Centeno's Sweatbox in South Florida. He is training not as if the fight is set, but he's training of the belief that the fight could very well happen next. So maybe it's because he needs to happen next, but there is optimism that they will fight. We, I don't know if it's going to be next, but it's not smoke for now. So that, that's the good news, that those guys legitimately want to fight each other. Now, granted, I don't expect it to be next. The only way I would see it next is if Ryan says, okay, I'm not going to fight for the title. I'm going to go fight Javante Davis in the super fight instead. But that seems like that should be a much, that to me, that would be the end game. Although I will say, as we've seen, you know, we've seen so many fights over marinate. If there is a chance for a super fight to happen, we should let it happen. So if there's a pathway where they can get together and make this pay-per-view you know, pay fight or however they split it between 
Showtime at the zone, absolutely go full throttle with that fight next. But realistically, honestly, for the zone, I would want Devin Haney to fight Ryan Garcia next because if Ryan chooses a Jorge Linares, how appealing is a fight between Devin Haney and Javier Fortuna? It's it's a good matchup, but is it something that's going to drive subscriptions? You know? I, my, my feeling, gents, is that, you know, you you're being very transparent about what you're saying, Chris, in terms of it builds both men, those two fights for them. But let's not build anymore when they're when they're at this stage. Let's, you know, I agree with Jake. Let, let's try and get these huge fights on sooner rather than later. Right. Because Ryan Garcia's also, I mean, I, you know, and you mentioned Javonta there. I think Tank could end up as the number one in the division as well, by the way. I mean, as long as he keeps his life on track, He's an extraordinary talent as well. He could be the most frightening talent of all of them. I mean, I, I mean, you wet yourself thinking about Tank against Teofimo Lopez, don't you? I mean, same as Tio, Tio and and Ryan at the moment. I think Tio's shown that he's a killer. Basically, he's the killer of the division right now. There's no mm. question about it. Um, although he was, you know, he 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 has been elevated by a lack of combativeness from Vasyl Lomachenko in the first six rounds of that fight. It was a very, very weird first six rounds from Vasyl Lomachenko. But, you know, Ryan Garcia, if he's the subject of this overall, this is a kid that's going to step up to 140 and be fine as well, by the way. Mm. Um, you know, I'd love to see him against our Josh Taylor, you know? I mean, what a fight that would be. Bring him to the UK as well. Don't just keep him in America. Make mm -hmm. him a proper global star. Um you know, but, but I mean, God, it, what a way. It's brilliant that DAZN, and I know I was working on the broadcast, but it's brilliant. I cannot remember as exhilarating a start to the year because we don't normally get a card till the first two and a half weeks yeah. of the new year. It's almost like a traditional kind of, um, what do you call it, a, um, a, a break, a semester, you know. A, a, um, you know, a, a, it's a traditional break, isn't it? There isn't yeah. boxing uh, until late in the January. Um I mean, God, it's Ryan Garcia, above all the others in the division, has the world of his, at his feet because of that social media following. And he doesn't, he almost, he could almost put his fights on YouTube and not need linear television anymore or linear media. It's, it's so extraordinary. It's just, it's just, I, I find it staggering. And I think, as I say, I feel truly woke by what he produced on, on, on Saturday night. And I think it was reflected in the excitement we all had on the broadcast and the deluge of cacophonious noise in the media all ever right. since. <laughs> Look, I, I, think, I think that Garcia... Like there's there's this a Jake's lot of enjoying my cacophonies. I've, 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 I think I've had my fill. Thank you very much. It <laughs> I'm, went not from, the, I'm not on the butt end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I can see... I would take Garcia overseas, you know, once the pandemic lifts. I would absolutely start to make him a global star, no question about it. Jake, let me ask you about about Gervonta, because I look at Gervonta in a way, in a similar way I look at Lomachenko, whereas at 130, is really tough to beat. Like, his power is legit at 130. In the handful of times he's moved up to 135, it hasn't been quite the same. And maybe that's, he's not... He was just going up because he was overweight at 130. He wasn't naturally filling up to 135. What do you think of Gervonta at 135? Because when he starts to square off with Garcia, Teofimo, uh, you know, any of those top-tier guys, even Devin Haney, he's going to be at a significant size disadvantage going into those fights. Yeah, that's a very good point. And um, the only the only time we've really seen him as a true lightweight it was a very undisciplined performance against Yorio Scamboas. I don't feel like that's a true measurement of what he's capable of. As I mentioned, he's training through the holidays. He's trying to give the perception that, you know, he's taking it more seriously. I believe he is. You know, I think he sees the superstardom that's, you know, in the well within grasp, especially if he gets to fight Ryan Garcia. I'd rather see him clean out one third. I'm a big fan of like, if you're good at your weight, you clean out that division. He has a pathway to clean out 130 pounds because it doesn't have a lot of options, even within PBC burst there. I mean, they keep talking about a fight with Gary Russell. That's not going to make sense unless you can do it in Baltimore, D.C., and you can't do that fight until fans are back. So why would you put that fight, you know, behind, you know, closed doors in Connecticut or even in Texas where, you know, it's not really attraction to either guy's fan base, although Davis can't draw anywhere. So I, I would like to see him find a way where he could just clean out 130 and then 135. My, my dream scenario for 135 
is that Ryan Garcia does fight Devin Haney next. If he beats him, Teofimo Lopez is not sticking around at this weight much longer. One, nope. two, two fights tops. He wants to fight three times this year. My guess is by the end of the year, he's already fighting 140. So Haney Garcia, if they fight next, then you fight, um, you fight Teofimo Lopez, and that clears up all this alphabet, man. There's no or any of this, you know, undisputed championship crap. It's finally settled. Even if the winner moves up in weight, at, at least we get that fight. In the meantime, Javante Davis, he, you know, he had his saw maker performance last year with, um, you know, with the knockout against Leo Santa Cruz. He's Showtime's, you know, leading star right now. Especially, you know, we don't know who on PBC is going to come back to that platform. Javante Davis is the man over there. They have all the room in the world to, to just let him run wild at 130, which is, I, I think that's his optimal mate, especially a focused and shape Javante Davis. 130 is where he can reign supreme. He probably there's, could in time at 135. You know, anyone with that punching power has a shot. I, I like to see him do it at 130. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was saying, Jake, I agree with you. I think there's two brilliant fights I'd like to see him in. And one is with uh, Jamel Herring, who's a long, difficult fighter, very tough man, amazing story. And I think that fight would build very well. And also Shaka Stevenson, of course. Yeah. So I think at least those two fights, one, if, he, if he beats those two, I'd definitely like to see him come up, stay up, you know? Right. Um, I think that is, I know Carl Frampton's still knocking around and I, you know, I, I have to mention Carl, forgive me for that. He's one of our greats over here. But, he only needs those couple of fights. And I think he should have them during lockdown. Have those two fights and step up, you know, unify, go, because that's where the money's going to be as well. That's where the elevation and the projection's going to be, in my view. Um, but I just, I, I do think that, like you say, if Davis can keep his life on, on, on you know, in, in intact and, and, does, and isn't wayward outside boxing and outside the office, I just think he's got the speed to live with any of the other fighters, even though he is a slightly smaller man. Because mm -hmm. um, he has got speed as his thing, isn't it? You know, um, it's, it's incredible. We saw him over here in the UK um, against one of the Walsh brothers Lee when Mayweather Walsh, yeah. brought him over. And obviously he dealt with Walsh really easily. But having spent those days around him, you know when you're around someone a bit special, don't you? We all know. We've all been around special people with a special aura. He's got it. Um, and but the the other thing I was going to say for Ryan Garcia against these other guys in the division is he can play the good guy to the bad guy of the other ones because you know even though he's got that edge and cockiness and calling people out, he can play the choir boy against the other three or four, can't he? And play good by guy, bad guy, because that always works so well in a promotion. Yeah, it does. And I agree with you, Jake, on Teofimo. I mean, the second that Taylor and Ramirez get in the ring, that's a wrap for Teofimo at 135. He's going up to 140 to fight the winner of that. I don't blame him. That's a massive fight uh, in uh, late 2021. So uh, hopefully we get that fight happening sooner or later, whether it's Teofimo versus Cambosis early, middle of the year, you get that fight down the line. Let me finish with this with both of you guys. And Gareth, we'll start with you. Um, the future of Luke Campbell, 33 years old. Uh, this wasn't a crack at a real world title, but it was a opportunity to advance towards a world title. Uh, where does he go from here? What's the future of Luke Campbell look like? It's a very good question. And it's one, of course, that our editors ask us five minutes after the fight. Um, and there's never an answer, of course, because it takes quite a long time for both the glitter and the dust to settle. Um, clearly Campbell is relieved to be home and safe. Um, it looks like given how emotionally hurt he was by losing in that way against Garcia, he put that to rest when the two boxers came together, beautiful images and videos of them together, by the way, I thought the sportsmanship of the pair was extraordinary. I think... Luke has always said to me, and I've always said to him, I thought he would be a world champion at some point. I think he'll hang on. Um, you know, he's got a very good relationship with Eddie Hearn. Um, we may even see him step up to 140, you know. Um, that's sometimes the answer, isn't it? Um, but I think a long rest, and I think we'll get an answer in a little while. I still think he's got a few miles on the clock. Um to go rather. Um, and I think we'll probably see something of a pause. He did do two camps, remember, because he was supposed to fight Javier Fortuna in April. Right. 
So he did a camp for that as well, you know, once, but just before COVID struck. And I suspect that, I think he's too proud to bow out with that performance. And I suspect we may well see him have a performance or two after this, or maybe just have one fight back that will keep him floating and just see if he gets in line where he's ranked six or seven in one of the divisions and he gets a shot through through Eddie Hearn's clever machinations yeah. like um, Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake, I agree with Gareth, especially when it comes to... I, eventually, these belts are going to fragment, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. event, like, you know, Teofimo fights for a 140 world championship. He drops all the ones at 135. There's going to be opportunities for Luke Campbell. He, I think he will get another opportunity to fight for a world title. And I think he's shown in these fights, he's good enough. Like he was competitive with Ryan Garcia until that stoppage and got hit with a shot that would have stopped probably everybody in, in that division. So what about you? Where do you think that Campbell uh, will go from here? Um, you know, Gareth mentioned earlier that, you know, Luke, I mean, like all fighters, Campbell, Luke Campbell is a very, he's a proud fighter. He's a, a stubborn fighter. I can't see him accepting a point in his career where he's going to become like a name for other big fighters in the division. So I would like to see, you know, as Gareth mentioned, get a lot of rest and Eddie, bring him back, get that one fight where he's back in the mix. I want to see him beat a top 10 lightweight though. That's really the one thing missing from his resume. He had good wins on the way up, including when he beat Eddie Mendes. He needed two tries to beat um, Yvonne Mendy. That's really his best win right now though. Otherwise he's been a bridesmaid, you know, which it's an unfortunate because he's a much, he deserves much better than that, but he's lacking that signature win in his career. So at some point, he's going to have to find that whether it comes after he gets a, a you know, a comeback fight and maybe fights for a vacant title. Maybe he beats that type of guy. I, I just want to see how much longer he has left in the sport where he can accomplish something like that. I would really like to see him accomplish it, whether it's for a vacant title or, you know, beating, you know, that that type of opponent. But I, I need to see that win from him to know that, you know, he has that ability to do, not even just win a belt, but just live up to the, the, the expectations that he had when he won, you know, after winning the gold medal. If he wanted to stay at that level, he could rematch Jorge Linares, by the way, that's, because that's, yeah. that was, a, I mean, that was such a close fight. I mean, I mean, mm. it was a split decision. I mean, I had him winning it by a point. I mean, I know you don't always agree with my scoring, Mr. Cacophonius, but the thing <laughs> is that, that that might be quite a good match for him. That's an excellent because, fight. Because exactly, and maybe do it in the UK this time. Mm. So that, you know, those kind of things are swayed toward him, but... That would keep him at that level, wouldn't it? It wouldn't say he had a gimme afterwards. So I think that's viable. Yeah, no question about that. Still miles, as you said, Gareth, on the tires uh, for Luke Campbell. Uh, fellas, always good to talk to you. Jake, great to talk to you. Gareth, you can just piss right off for uh, some, of these, some of these shots you've been taking. I tried to, I tried to self-own myself early. I have to deal with the whole slam, you could have get just whacked around my... No, it's no, my listen, damn show! Chris, it's my damn Chris, show here, man! Chris... Just give it to us one more time. No, no. Cacophony. Cacophony. No, no. Cacophony from now on. I don't know what Cacophony. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> when we come back, my conversation with Ryan Garcia. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. All right, so we already knew a few things about Ryan Garcia before he stepped into the ring last weekend. We knew he was popular. We knew he was powerful. We knew he could draw a crowd. When he left the ring, he also became accomplished. Garcia stopped Luke Campbell in the seventh round, his 18th knockout in 21 fights, the most significant win of his career, and it puts him right in the mix for all the high-level fights in 2021. Ryan joins me here. On the show, Ryan, let me start here. The best DM or text message that you got after that win was from who? Manny Pacquiao. Really? Yeah, it had to be Manny Pacquiao. I mean, there was obviously obviously other great people that uh, messaged me, but the one that meant the most to me was Manny Pacquiao. What did he say? Uh, He said, congratulations. And then uh, he said, Ryan, it's your turn to inspire others. How'd that make you feel? It made me feel real good. I still feel good about it right now. Did you reply like, thanks, want to fight? No, I wouldn't do that to Manny. (laughs) Now, if it was Gervonta, it'd be a different story. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, just before I get into the fight, your your corner, watching it, it cracks me up because Eddie Reynoso is so – you know, demonstrative, moves around a lot, speaks loudly. And you're sitting there and like, I know there are bits and pieces you're picking up of what he's saying in Spanish, but you see your head kind of look at your father every few minutes. Like, what's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying? Yeah. No, I, I knew what Eddie was saying. Um, uh, I just guess my dad confirms what he's saying. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, me and Eddie have been in the gym every day. He, <laughs> The only thing is like, my in, in a fight, sometimes I, I do get, like, you know, I get, you know, emotional, if you want to say, you know, and I, I feel the fans and I feel everybody. So when when I feel it's time, I mean, I go after it and I want to, you know, get them out of there if I get a chance to. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of times I could have been more a little relaxed. Whose idea was it to be carried to the ring on the throne? I got this idea uh, just I was driving in the car and it was like a last minute thing. And I said, hmm. That would be a good idea. And then I said, well, I asked my mom if we could get it done. And she was like, all right, I'll ask. And then everything came about and it worked out perfect. I love it. After I remember after Tyson Fury did his throne ring walk, you know, I asked the same question to top rank. I'm like, how how this happen? They're like, well, we went on Amazon and found a throne for him to, to go to the ring. I imagine yours was probably the same thing. Yeah, I don't know where my mom found it, but she must have, you know, it was a great, I like, I like mine. i'll give it to you man like you know you come into these fights with a target on your back because people foolishly look at you and say yeah it's just social media stuff not a real fighter you put an even bigger target on your back when you have some of the showmanship like going to the ring like that did that cross your mind at all when you were thinking about doing that Mm, no not really i kind of just know that people are already want me to lose in a way some people and uh i know that that's why i sent out a message after my fight was you know you're not what people say you are it's who you choose to be 
And I'm always going to know that in my heart that, you know, no matter what people think about me, I know who I am and who I want to be. So not, nothing will put pressure on me. What, what grade would you give yourself after that fight? Mm-hmm. I think that's for the people to say. I mean, I know I did what I had to do to win, and I got the knockout, and I got that body shot. So, I mean, I did what I had to do, but I'll let people could assess whatever they want. Do you feel that was your best performance? Oh, most definitely. That was my best performance. Um, definitely excited the fans the best way you could possibly have. Um, I was just happy how it turned out. I don't, I'm not even mad at the knockdown. <laughs> I was after the fight for a quick second, but now I'm actually like, oh, well, that actually was great. Mm-hmm. So, so take me through that. You've never been knocked down in your career. Have you ever been knocked down in sparring? Yeah, I've been dropped in sparring, but uh, when I was very young, mm-hmm. you know, I've been I've been dropped. I was actually, you know, when I was like 15, 16, I got dropped in sparring, but it wasn't nothing crazy. I got up and went right to him the same way. <laughs> so, I mean, it was like kind of like similar to that. And um, then, uh, and then when I was like eight years old, I think I got dropped to the body. That hurt. Um, never forgot that. So I think that all just prepared for that moment. And then I never got dropped in a real fight, you know, as a professional and or amateur. Never got dropped as an amateur in, in any real fight. Just sparring. But sparring is sparring. I mean, people get knocked out in sparring. I've knocked out maybe – I can't even count how many people I've knocked out. But it doesn't matter how many people you knock out in sparring. It's what happens in a real fight. So take me through what was going through your mind there. You you go down and you're on the canvas for the first time. There's I think 90 seconds or so left in the round. What are you thinking? Uh I kind of well when I look back at it, uh I got hit with the shot. Um it was kind of odd. My ankle before I stepped into that ring was out of nowhere, felt like it tweaked a little bit. And I was like, what the heck? Okay, whatever, I'm gonna ignore it. Got in the ring, first round, I didn't even pay attention to it. And then in the second round, before I get dropped, I think about my ankle hurting. And then I look up and I react. It wasn't because I didn't know to put my hand up here. I knew the shot he throws a lot. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, of course, I would have done this. But it was just a reaction. I get hit. You know, people say you see black. I seen white. Um, and then I get up and I was like, I said to myself, okay, I got dropped. Okay. And I said, but I wasn't losing the fight. That I know. I wasn't losing the fight. I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to do anything else. And I went right to him. That was my mindset. You know, I'm going right to him because I wasn't losing this fight. And people say, why isn't Luke jumping on you? You know, why Why isn't he, you know, attacking you for the finish? As a fighter, you know in the ring when somebody's really hurt. You know, if you're a smart fighter. You know, you're not going to jump on somebody that's not really done. I mean, look at what happened to Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that was definitely not what Luke wanted. So Luke was like, nope, Ryan's good. He's right back on it. So, uh, yeah, that's that was my thought process. Yeah, and Luke said afterwards he knew right away you were not hurt. Like, you know, you could tell from your body language that you weren't hurt. Did, did it make you rethink, you know, kind of how you were going to fight? I mean, you had been pressing forward throughout that fight did it give you any doubts that fighting that way would was the right way to go no no doubts in my mind uh I was comfortable I just had to get tighter 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 defense and just know not to freaking think about anything else get in there I mean hey that actually snapped me out of thinking about anything I was like oh shit let's go I'm in it I'm getting it let's go let's fight you want to fight Luke we're gonna fight you know, it, it was, you know, I didn't know what your strategy was going to be coming into the fight. The last two fights, you've basically, you I mean, you read Romero Duno and you decided to trade with him early. You hit Fonseca with just a perfect counter shot um, when he lunged in. This fight, though, you came forward. You were pressing him the entire fight. What was behind the thinking there? Well, you, you, you don't box a boxer. Um, I mean, you're kind of dumb if you do that. You know, I, I knew that. Uh, going to the fight, his whole life, he's he's boxed. His whole life, he's a boxer. He don't go forward. Have you ever seen Luke Campbell press a fight forward? Never in your life, have you? So why would I want to do that with him? <laughs> I train my ass off, and I'm not even an aggressive fighter. I train my ass off to learn that style, 
and I did. You know, I mean, it was my first attempt to really dig down and walk somebody down. I'm not, that's not even my nature, but um, I did it. <laughs> you seen I did it. And I'm happy I made that decision because it worked out. We were talking about this before we started, but I had it scored 58-55 in favor of you going into that seventh round. Uh, Luke obviously gets a 10-8 round in the second. A lot of people in the UK thought the fight was much closer, but I, I didn't because I, I thought you were winning rounds. Even though he had his guard up, I thought your punches were so strong that they were getting through his guard. Were they? I mean, were your punches getting through? Oh, no, most definitely. You see, I was throwing combinations instead of one punch. And one of them got in. I don't care what you say. I kept, I, I think it was like always that last punch to catch him with, uh, you know, I would always hit him with that right hand at the end of it. Uh, and I was in control of the fight. You know, boxing is about having a sense of who's winning the fight. I was controlling it. He, he had no control over the fight. I mean, some moments I had a stall and think on my approach, but most of the time I was in control, pressing the fight, landing my shots. Luke was trying desperately to land that same shot again. Wasn't working out for him. And uh, I felt like he didn't win any other round in the second round. And to be fair, you could argue that I did get that 10-9. I won the first half of the second round, got dropped. What did he do to, to, to stamp that win on the 10-8? He didn't. I came back and I won the second half of that round. Mm -hmm. So you could argue, but I'm not mad if you're 10-8. But here's the real question. Why are we talking about scorecards if he got knocked out? <laughs> it don't make sense. That's why the judges are not needed. Why are we talking about scorecards? You know what I mean? No, you're right about that. Um, what do you think you proved in this fight? I proved to people who are, well, I, I think I, not even prove, I showed people who I really am. That's what I did. And it's just a, a step on what's going to happen and what I'm able, capable to do. You're always going to see something amazing when Ryan Garcia is in that ring. And I always tell you that. I always look to do something you've never seen before. You rarely see a, a elite fighter get knocked out to the body. I don't think that happens often. You know, it's a, it's a rare occasion. And I just knew I was going to land that body shot. I had a feeling. And that body shot, and I said this on air, like it, it was – almost the equivalent of like a no-look pass because you were looking him dead in the eye. His hands came up, I think, because of that, and you went downstairs. I mean, how much of that is instinct and how much of that is, look, I'm, I'm going to look away to try to get him to misdirect? I didn't think about anything. I felt it. I just felt it in the ring. There's no thinking right there. It was just I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Like, I don't know. I just felt it. I, I just, my body knew to just, and I just dug it. And I knew, you see my hand, I, I do the, I got him, you know what I mean? Like, it's over, it's done. I, I didn't really know it was done until like eight seconds in the count. I was like, maybe he gets up, maybe I have to, but no, it was, it was, a, it was that shot. I mean, it reminded me right away of the one Oscar took against Hopkins. I mean, I was ringside for one Golovkin hit Matthew Macklin with. with. It's just that that smack that you hear and the way a guy goes down, you know that they're in trouble. Yeah. You know, it's I have so much respect for Luke. He's probably he he has so much heart. I've never seen I've never been in the ring in all my life with somebody as much heart as Luke Campbell. Uh, he was in it to win it, came in his best shape. That's not his fault. That's just his body. It's not his mind. It was just his body. It, you you can't do nothing about it. his body failed him, not his mind. You are, Ryan, something of a flat-footed fighter, whereas, you know, you kind of plant yourself as, as you try to cut the ring off a little bit. You don't, you didn't, at least you didn't move your head a ton in that fight. Are these things that you're comfortable with, you know, as, as your style, or are they things you want to work on as you keep moving forward? Well, you haven't had, I haven't had to dance. Mm -hmm. I haven't had to use my feet work. I don't waste energy. Why would I waste energy moving my head when he's not even throwing a punch? I'll move my head when it's time to throw a punch. You know what I mean? Or when he's throwing, you know, I'll react, boom, boom, boom. But don't worry. You're going to see me dance. Mm -hmm. Dance all over Tank Davis in two rounds. You're going to see that. That's for sure. Two rounds in the second minute of that round, to be exact. Two rounds is all going to take me to knock you out, Javante. That's, that's the truth. And you know that. When I see you, you know it's two rounds. Out cold. And that's all it is. 
So let, let me ask you about that because you did call out Tank immediately after the fight. After the fight, Tank tweeted that you know who you talked to 10 minutes before the fight. The fight is already made. Who did you talk to? He's trying to make it seem like we 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 talked about contract. We talked about, you know, the exact details of it. Man, don't let him paint that picture. The truth of the matter is I talked to Alan Heyman for five seconds. All I said, all he said was, Good luck, champ. Go get him. That was it. There was nothing more to it. Uh we didn't even talk, we didn't even mention Tank's name, to be to be honest. We just went in there. I, he just said, Good luck, champ, go get him. That was it. There was nothing crazy. Tank. Tank better get in that ring with me. That's all I know. <laughs> what was was that the first time you talked to Al Heyman? No, nah, I think I had one other conversation with him, but not like a long. I never had a long conversation with him in my life. And you know, people make too much out of that. You know, I could talk to you. I could talk to Eddie Hearn. I could talk to anybody. Don't mean I'm t- I'm going to I'm shady or I'm doing anything crazy. Maybe I'm saying hi. I, I, you act like I would never hate anybody. I don't care to hate anybody. I don't care which side I am. If you're a good person, you're a good person. Point blank, period. I don't care what's going on with that guy, this guy. No matter to me. I'm going to keep it love. Mm-hmm. You uh, Look, I don't think that network should ever get in the way of big fights. And I think big fights shouldn't be halted over small percentages. But God, you've seen enough in boxing, Ryan, where networks and network conflicts cause fights not to happen. We're watching Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford argue over 60-40 or as Terrence or as uh, Errol told me 70-30 in a fight like that. I mean, how worried are you that as you try to get this tank fight that things can get in the way? Uh, you know, see, that's a that's obviously a problem. Uh they're going to say they're going to here's the difference. They're going to try to squeeze every ounce of money they can and I'm going to squeeze every greatness I can out of this fight. So all I ask is to be honest, to be fair, to be truthful, and the fight will be made. I'm not here to try to get over on nobody. I ain't trying to here to take your money. I ain't trying to hurt your, you know, hurt your family. Nothing like that. I want your family to be good, just like mine. So as long as we're fair and honest, that fight will be made. I'm not gonna try to do you dirty. Don't try to do me dirty because then we gonna really have issues. But it's gonna be good because we're not gonna do that. We're gonna be good people. We're going to be good people, Tank. Don't do that to yourself. Don't try to play games. Just be honest, and we're going to get this fight made. Do you think it can happen next? It will happen next. I don't know. I, I it, it, it will happen. It's not that I'm, I'm not even – it's not a second thought. There's not a doubt in my mind that it's happening next. Probably September most likely. That's what I'm thinking about. Eight months to promote the fight. We're going to get ready. Uh, there's a lot to go with it. Hopefully, maybe an arena to be filled up. Maybe not. We don't know. But just hope for the best and just know second round, second minute. Do you you want to wait that long, though, Ryan? I mean, you've been, you know, dying to fight. You see, I waited over a year to fight. (laughs) So I I don't care. This fight has to be next. There's no other fight. It's already in the promotion for the fight. We don't even know where it could go. There's so many different variables to it that this has the possibility to become the biggest fight. We don't know what, like I just went on a podcast with Mike Tyson. The possibilities are endless here. Mm. It will be huge. I promise you that. And the world will be watching that day and they will be shocked. Mm. Finally, when I say shock the world, this is what I mean. They will be shocked when he actually gets knocked out in the second round, second minute, it's over. I'm gonna look right to you, Chris. What's good? What's good? What's good? <laughs> Um, where does Devin Haney fit into your plans? Devin got to fight Teofimo Lopez. Let Devin do that. Mm. Devin's great, but he got to be great. That's his great fight. If he does that, he'll get it on. You know, I'll beat Tank. He go beat Teofimo. And, uh, if he beats Teofimo, that's a challenge right there. Teofimo's a bad man too. Uh, if they get that on, we're going to have a mega fight as well. You know, I'm not, you think, come on now, you think I'm really afraid of Devin Haney? Devin Haney's a great fighter, but he's not going to beat me. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I'll find a way to beat him. So, um, no, I, I wish the best for Devin. I have nothing against them. That's just how it is. This is how it's going to play out, man. Just get ready, man. Stop stop complaining about this or that, man. Get ready. Go fight Tefimo. Go beat him. Be great, man. That's your chance. People are going to give you more credit. Than me, if you beat that Vimo, then me versus Tank. 
the boxing people at least. So go do that. Your chance is here, man. That's the message I want to send out to Devin. I messaged Devin. I said, I tried to FaceTime him. He didn't answer. He just ignored it. I said, man, you really that mad that I don't want to fight you? I want to fight Tank? Answer the phone, damn it. He didn't want to answer the phone. So I was like, man, this dude's really mad. But if he could change that anger into passion to fight Tefimo, that would be a great fight, man. And I'll be looking forward to that too. It feels like you just want the biggest fight possible. And I think you're probably right. The biggest fight for you possible right now. Not probably. Chris, it is the biggest fight. There's no... And it's what the people want. Isn't that what we, isn't why we box? Mm-hmm. What you, what I don't care about making the most money I can make. I care about giving the people what they want. And the people, the people, Ryan, we never get what we want. The people never get what they want. They had to wait six years for Pacquiao and Mayweather. They had to wait. You, 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 you never had me. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. Never seen Ryan Garcia has this. This is, this is the time to do it. And I got, I'm going to take control. Don't worry. I'm going to push this as much as I can. You're going to see all my heart go into this, every every ounce of it. And I'm going to make these fights happen, I promise you. I'm looking forward to it, man. Like I said on air, I think your success is really important for the sport of boxing, in part because of the people you're bringing into the sport, watching it for the first time. Congrats, man. I'm looking forward to, if it is September, I'm either going to be there or calling it. One way or the other, I want to be part of that fight. No, second round, he's out. He's out cold. Shock the world. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. Take care. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.